0: Hey folks, David Tao with the Bar Bend Podcast. Today, we're digging back into the archives to bring you an episode with world champion powerlifter, Heather Connor. We hope you enjoy, and we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of the Bar Bend Podcast.
1: The whole thing you want in this sport is longevity. And if you've got to take yourself out of a competition, if you've got to put your ego aside to take care of this injury, please do it. Because... You're going to regret it if you choose to compete and get more injured and you're out for like over a year to where you can't even go to the gym.
0: Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today I'm talking to Heather Connor, one of the world's top-ranked powerlifters. It's tough to distill Heather's accomplishments down to a quick intro, but we'll try. She's a two-time IPF world champion and the first female IPF powerlifter to deadlift four times her body weight raw. Heather joins us to talk about the injury that sidelined her for nearly a year, along with why it's so easy for lifters to ignore the signs of significant underlying injuries and issues. We also chat about Heather's goals in the sport, what big money competitions could mean for powerlifting's future, and a weight gain strategy that involves lots and lots of tortilla chips. Also, I want to take a second to say we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbend podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. Heather, thanks so much for joining us today. The first thing I like to ask every power lifter when we have them on the show is how's training going and what are you training for right now, which is perhaps the more important question because at the elite level where you're at, training cycles can be very much long and I know you're planning your meets way, way far out, many months ahead. Um,
1: Well, I'm not injured. so (laughs) (laughs)
0: Step step number one, you're healthy. There you go.
1: I'm healthy, which is like, pretty unusual i've been injured for a little bit and slowly getting out of that injury so i'm about 95 percent um going into my biggest meet to date which is a sheffield invitational in uh, sheffield england march 2020
0: so what if you don't mind me asking what injury were you coming off of and what was the recovery process like for that
1: uh back in 2018 i strained my lower lat um be, like I strained that pulling four times the body weight at the Arnold. If there's a way, uh, if there's a
0: way to strain a lat, it's it's doing that. Most people, <laughs> I strain a lat like getting out of bed or picking up my backpack.
1: <laughs> well, like I I didn't know that I was I had strained anything. It was I I'm mis- I'm not going to say I mistook it for like soreness, but that's what I try to classify it as rather than an injury. And it's not like I could ask any other female in the Federation, like, oh, how sore are you usually after pulling four times the body weight? Because I'm in my own little category when it comes to that. So I was like, okay, I just need to rest a little bit. I went on a cruise, totally ignored all my responsibilities when it came to anything physically related to powerlifting. Um, but when I got back, even simply putting the bar on my back just, it took a lot out of me. So I knew that it was no longer just me being sore. It was something I had to figure out, and because I took so long to recognize it, it healed but improperly. So, um, if anybody knows anything about the lower lat, it's not just that lat area that it's affected. It goes all the way down your back into your lower back, and it was it was a nightmare. I had to real. I had to go to physical therapy. I had to go to just. A lot of things to accommodate that whole healing process. And it's taken until now to really see that strength coming back to where it used to be.
0: I think when people think injuries, we think like big catastrophic injuries, like broken bones, we think torn ligaments, we think like really bad tears and things as the injuries that take a long time. But sometimes it's something in the muscle tissue that can take over a year to get back to full speed as, as you experienced.
1: Yeah, and. You know, I'm, I think because like, I'm super humble about that injury, because it did make me step back and realize a lot of things. So now I take my training a little bit more seriously when it comes to like stretching and mobility and that aspect, because I don't want to be in that situation again. I am more aware of how my body is feeling. If one day it doesn't feel good, I stop that workout entirely and just try to continue the next day, depending on how the body's feeling during that time, because this has been a process. It's been a very uh, emotional one. I, it goes from highs and lows, and I'm finally going back on that climb to where I can start appreciating everything I had to go through during this time frame.
0: Now, was that the most uh, side-tracking in- injury you've had in your powerlifting career?
1: Uh, yeah, I would say so. I've had like little, like dumb injuries occur. Like for the longest time, I had like one of my floating ribs like continuously pop out of place. And that, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I asked how easy that was to happen. And a chiropractor was like, oh, you can cough hard and that come out. But I had to change like my belt and everything because apparently the belt I was using before my SVD belt. Was like pushing that area when I would go to get tight, and that floating rib was just constantly getting out of place, and it was annoying feeling that hurts you.
0: It's <laughs> it's so amazing to me what powerlifters will put up with routinely. Like uh, you know, I, my floating rib keeps popping out, but uh, you know I'm not going to be able to get a new belt till next week, so I'll just deal with it. Like this is a sport where you just deal with. Things that to the normal person sound absolutely insane physically. Do you ever step back and think about that?
1: Yeah, like I I do. I think about some of the injuries or the aggravations I've had. But then I look on social media and somebody's bicep just like totally tears. And I'm like, okay, well, I can bring down my dramatics a little bit. (laughs) Because, oh gosh, I cannot watch those videos.
0: I mean, they're they're certainly cringeworthy and we don't like... It's not something that I would encourage people to to go watch necessarily. Um, but it it's certainly I mean, it's a sport like any other. There's a risk of injury and it's it's almost kind of sad sometimes that you have to go through an injury to be more conscientious and conscious of prepping your body and avoiding injuries moving forward. It's it's a it's a weird catch twenty-two sometimes. Like it, it it'll never happen to me until it happens to you.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I try to preach that to people, you know, slow down. The, the whole thing you want in this sport is longevity. And if you got to take yourself out of a competition, if you got to put your ego aside to take care of this injury, please do it because you're going to regret it if you choose to compete and get more injured and you're out for like, over a year to where you can't even go to the gym, and I've seen that happen plenty of times.
0: And powerlifting is certainly a sport where people can have very long uh, careers. I, I always reference David Ricks as an example of this, someone who's been competing in powerlifting for, I believe, I, th- I think it's over thirty years, and he was still, you know, winning uh national championships into his late fifties like you can you can be competitive in powerlifting for a long long time so you can look on the horizon of decades and staying healthy and competitive and moving well for decades as opposed to like this short little window and a lot of sports i feel like people only have that short little window to perform at the elite level powerlifters many of them aren't peaking until their 40s in some instances
1: Right. And David Ricks is such a good example, even though he did red light me on depth one time. I'm going to look fast at that, but he is such a good example because not only has he been in the sport for so long, he has seen the changes within the sport. And he is still a top contender as a master's lifter, like in the open division. So kudos to him. (laughs) But he's
0: very, but he's very strict when judging depth, apparently, Uh, 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 at least, at least that's your perspective, huh?
1: That and he gives like the hardest press commands on the bench. Like,
0: so, so oh, if, if you make a, if you make a lift when David Ricks is, is judging, that means you've like really made that lift. That's like a, you've like, you've done everything. And then some,
1: yeah, because it's almost like he falls asleep a little bit and I'm like, Hey, this is kind of hard. And you know, he hugged me right before that competition started and I kind of wanted to take back that hug. Like, remember when you red light at me? <laughs> I'm going to take that back now.
0: <laughs> well, just to give folks perspective on the body weight you're training at, let's talk about your lifts and your and your PRs pre-injury, and then kind of how you're feeling now, and some of the numbers that you're looking at heading into the Sheffield meet.
1: Yeah. So my current PR squat is uh, 142 and a half kilos, around 314 pounds. Uh, bench, 72 and a half kilos, 159 pounds, and deadlift is currently 183 kilos, which is around 403 pounds. Um, the deadlift I actually set back this uh, past October at Nationals, and the other two lifts were from the 2018 Arnold, um, where I had got that lat injury. Now, uh, as we progress in my lifts, Uh, My squat has gotten back up. It's around 140 kilos, 308, which I hit twice the other day, which was really good. That boosted my confidence a little bit. Um, Bench has gotten up to about 75 kilos, 165 pounds. And as of yesterday, I hit a 185 kilo, 407 pound deadlift. Which was a goal for March.
0: So, and for reference, what uh, those are all impressive numbers. No matter no matter who you are, but the body weight for folks who might not be super familiar with what body weight you're lifting at your your competition body weight is
1: uh, around forty five and a half kilos, which is around a hundred pounds on a good day.
0: <laughs> so, so, so those numbers are are great for anyone. But just to put it in reference, Heather is. Call her a hundred pounds, call it a hundred pounds flat. It's just kind of easy for a lot of people to imagine. So lifting four times body weight, you're one of the few women in the world to do that right now. I mean, how many, do you know how many active female power lifters are pulling four times body weight right now?
1: Well, in my, in the IPF and uh USAP and stuff, I am the only one <laughs> as like in any federation, I, I want to say, and I could be wrong, but I think it's just me and uh, Steffi Cohen
0: currently. So like when you feel something or you mentioned like when you strain your lat or when you like have certain tightnesses or something from training, you're in, in many ways, uncharted territory as far as people you can talk to about like, hey, is it normal to feel that? Are you and Steffi on like uh, a chat where you're just like, the only two people experiencing this stuff. So you're just going back and forth comparing experiences.
1: It's funny because like when I started feeling like, okay, this might not be just me being sore. I did reach out to her and because you know, she, she specializes in stuff like this. So not even just as somebody who is also pulled four times the body weight, I'm coming to her as like on a professional and saying, Hey, could this be what I'm experiencing? Because me personally, if I sneeze, oh, I'm Web being, And I probably shouldn't. But I knew I didn't have lat cancer. So I'm like, who who could probably give me a good guess as to what's going on? <laughs> so.
0: (laughs) That is one thing about Steffi Cohen. She became, I mean, we do a lot of work with Steffi at Barbend, and she became so well known online for uh, her lifting initially. And then it took people a little while, I think, to realize like, oh, like she has a fantastic body of knowledge when it comes to like the human body and movement for performance. And now it's almost like she's becoming popular again. But for that, even separately from the fact that you know she's back squatting over 500 pounds and pulling pulling forward times body weight. Is there anyone else in the powerlifting community who you often reach out to for advice, for counsel, or or just to chat about their experiences?
1: Um, I've recently, and also like in the past, I've always like chatted with Kimberly Walford, who has been in the sport for a while now. Um, She just, she gives me more of like a guidance into the sport and what I should be expecting as far as like social media trolls and how to respond people and who to respond to. And, you know, she has been like a a really good mentor for me in the past. Uh, So if I'm ever in a situation to where I need to reach out to somebody that has way more knowledge in the sport than I do, I typically reach out to her and a few IPF reps that I will send my, my videos to, because uh, if I want good critique, I'm not going to probably ask my my friend in the gym who wants who who's always cheering me on. I want uh an IPF I have to be like, "You know what? You could probably do this a little bit better because that's how I'm going to progress in the sport."
0: And that's what so. counts too. I mean, you're at this point, yeah. you're not go gym lifts, gym gym makes aren't good enough for you, right? You need to make these on the biggest stages.
1: Yeah, and there there has been a situation I was um in the gym and I I knew like I don't know what was going on that day, but my depth on squat, just everything was off. And I did have that person like, oh, you're no, it was good. I'm like, no, it wasn't. Thanks. But I I don't even need to send this video to my normal person because I don't even want to hear their response. I know how it looked. I know how it felt. I'm just going to do this some other day. (laughs) You just you got to be able to separate uh, friends from who actually is going to be able to make that call when game day comes. So
0: you mentioned trolls in social media and reaching out to, to Kim about how to handle that and to kind of handle yourself online. For better or for worse, and people have very different opinions about this. Part of being an elite level powerlifter, one of the best in the world, it seems like you're almost required to have an active social media presence. It's something that sponsors want. It's something that you know federations want to help hype events and, and your performances. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. What okay. what has been if that's okay? What has been your what has been your experience so far with Balancing the positivity and negativity that comes with having that social presence.
1: Oh my goodness. I've gotten, well, in my opinion, I've gotten a thousand times more better than I was in the past. Like Kimberly did tell me the bigger you get in the sport, the more hate you're going to get. It doesn't matter what kind of person you are. Somebody is going to not like you for whatever reason. And that's fine. Now, Heather back in 2017 would be like, that's not fine. (laughs) Like I, I would just go back and forth with people. And I was not the nicest person back then, but I have, um, as I have sat back, I have, I've grown mentally a lot in the sport. And now I pick and choose who I respond to. Like, if you are going to spread nothing but negativity towards me, um, on like my page, I, as you know, I get some like pretty drawn out negative comments that probably took that person two minutes to type out and I just simply delete it. Like if I start to read the negativity in it, I just pause, delete it because I'm not going to waste any more energy on it. Um, There's a difference between constructive criticism and just being downright hateful. And um, for like me being very open about my mental health, if deleting comments is what I got to do to be able to stay in a good mental space, that's what I will do. I do allow people to know that they are entitled to their opinion. However, you can give your opinion without being mean.
0: Now, is, is a lot of the hate that you get and a lot of the comments you get, are, is it coming from people within the powerlifting community or people outside of the powerlifting community? I
1: think it's a little bit of both. Uh, there are people that just don't want you to be successful they don't want to see you do good and and a lot of that derives from jealousy or whatever it may be and that's fine but um, sometimes it's just random people who I don't even think have any knowledge on the sport and that's what I got to tell myself sometimes like you know you have the people on there that oh you shouldn't be arching okay cool Uh, I'll, I'll take that into consideration, but these are people that probably know nothing about the sport. And I can't just assume that everybody that says something to me is knowledgeable on the sport. So I got to think about my reaction to them.
0: My favorite, my favorite is the sumo is cheating trolls. It's (laughs) just, it's like a whole, there's gotta be some kind of like email list or special forum where all these people gather and then just decide, okay, how are we going to hate on the sumo lifters today?
1: It's- <laughs> yeah, those are my favorite. And it's one of those to where um, when I posted my video from October, I knew the controversy that was about to come from it. And I had mentally prepared myself for it because I, me being the one that pulled it and being such a technical person, I knew how the lift looked and I knew people would argue about it. And sometimes that's really like really good in the sport. The, the arguments and the controversy, it just keeps the sport alive. Um, but uh, when people are like, Oh, Simo's cheating. Oh, I bet you couldn't do that conventional, blah, blah, blah. Like you're right. I I don't train conventional at all. Like why would I, if I don't, I don't pull it in. I practice how I play pretty much. And, um, so sometimes when I see these negative comments about sumo or my lifts, like I don't even respond to it. Like I'll have those little arguments like in my shower where the shampoo bottles are listening to me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, how about that? This is what I would have said. Like, I bet you couldn't do it either way. So how about that?
0: <laughs> it It is funny when people are, you know, it's, it's like, well, that shouldn't count or couldn't do it conventional. It's like, she just pulled four times body weight. I mean, it, can't we be, uh, at least a little impressed. Like it, most people have, will never feel that weight in their hands. It doesn't matter what style they pull it. It doesn't matter if it's a rack pull. It doesn't matter if right. they use straps. Most people will never pull, feel four times the body weight in their hands. Like, okay. They, she lives in a different style, but can we, can we celebrate the, the strength aspect here? It's also legal. It's legal to right. do it. It's not cheating because, <laughs> be, because it's, it's according to the rule book. I don't know. I just, Per-
1: yeah, I tell myself that. I tell myself like that all the time, like in my head. I'm like, okay, well, how about you try to pull it sumo or conventional, and we'll see if it even budge[s] off the ground. And you tell me how beautiful it looks. Like, you can't make a lift look beautiful if it doesn't even
0: break the floor. I I, <laughs> so- I do I do really like to if you if you a lot of the people who call out you know sumo is cheating. This lift looks ugly you know, if they are, if you go to their pages and they are a power lifter, many of it's never an elite power lifter. It's never someone who's very good at the sport. <laughs> You'll see them pulling conventional and it looks like crap. Like, like nine times out of 10, the people calling people out for sumo, they're pulling conventional. And I'm like, that is a, I wouldn't pass that lift. You know what I mean? Like that's a bad yeah. looking lift, what you're doing, they're doing conventional. Um, what is the what is the lift that you think you have the most room just to completely change perspective for a second? What is the lift you think you have the most room to improve on in the next phase of your powerlifting career?
1: Um, Squats. I say that because like I, I know where I was with squats back in 2018 and I'm seeing that strength come back. So I know there is some kilos to add, um bench especially for women uh this could be debatable but this is just my opinion you know i will take that two and a half kilo pr like i will take any pr when it comes to bench because you know it's it's hard to progress in that particular lift at least like you're not going to see females that are at the top level all of a sudden get a 10 kilo bench pr or a 20 kilo bench pr like they're going to get what they can. It's usually around two and a half or five kilos. And in deadlift, I've, I've really set the bar for myself to where, again, like I'm just chipping at it at this point. Like what more can I do in that lift? But with squats, I know there's still strength to be built in that particular lift. And I'm excited to see how far I can push that one. So
0: have you changed anything technically about your lifts in the past couple of years?
1: Yeah. So I <laughs> and one was like really dumb on my part. I don't I don't know why I did this, but um so after I used to squat strictly in like Converses and then right before 2019 Worlds, I was like, oh I wonder what it would feel like to squat in heels. And it went terrible for me.
0: <laughs> L- lift it. Just, to, just to clarify for people who aren't active lifters listening to this, lifting shoes, not like not like high heels, but <laughs> lifting shoes. I mean, with it a heel. can be
1: high heels. Sure, I sure. To <laughs> but I, I did that like a month and a half out. I don't know why. I just was like, hey, let's see how this goes. And it went absolutely terrible. Like I still won Worlds, but, you know, not in my best form. So right after Worlds, which was in June... I was like, well, that was lame. I switched back to Converse's and um, had a fun little competition in Ireland back in August and did great. My my lip went significantly back up as soon as I switched back to Converse's and um, going into this past October, actually went with a flatter shoe, the Notorious Lift, Slippers, um, which have really worked out very well for me I use them in squat bench and deadlift and it uh, for me uh, because of how flat they are I get a really good feel of the floor underneath so I know if I'm going more on my toes or if I'm sitting too far back like in the squat Um, so I've really with those slippers I've been able to really get a good feel of positioning Um, so I've tweaked that a little bit with my squats with bench, I use them and I get more leg drive. And with deadlift, like nothing's really, as, well, as, aside from my grip, I've moved my left side in a little bit to accommodate that lat. Um, yes. Yeah, I think the shoes have been the biggest change <laughs> in my lifts.
0: How long do you see yourself competing at this very high level in this sport?
1: I I see myself doing it for a little while. Um, I I won't say that it will be in the 47 kilo weight class too much longer because I'm at the point where I'm like, what else can I do in this weight class? And in the IPF, the 47 kilo in the open division is the lightest you can be. Uh, So the next class up is the 52 class. And that is something that long term wise I would kind of want to ease myself into because I sit normally around 45 kilos. If that means taking like some time off to really train and gain that muscle and gain that weight to be a good candidate in that weight class, that's what I'm going to do. But as far as long term wise for the 47 class, I, I don't see that going much further.
0: Are you someone who has difficulty gaining weight? Because when I talk to most people in the lighter body weight categories, you know, very rare is it that someone is training below body weight or you know below body weight for that for that category. Is is gaining weight something you've worked on in the past and had difficulty with?
1: Yeah, it it, it has been um, being someone that uh, has Crohn's a uh, Crohn's disease. I got that back in 2017, going into 2018. My diet has really changed and um, I can't eat certain things without feeling side effects or potentially getting sent to the hospital for those reasons. So because I'm very particular about what I eat, there's a lot of things that I choose, choose not to eat that would be very good at me gaining weight. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so and it, like aside from that, like because of my occupation, I'm always on my feet. I'm always walking. and um, That weight, just if I see myself going up like five... Like last night, I had Texas Roadhouse. I had like two baskets of rolls, a whole meal. (laughs) And and I I was like, oh, I wonder how much I weigh. I only gained two ounces from that. And I know that just going back to regular eating today it's going to go right back off. So It's like, like, what
0: more can I, what more? I went to the buffet. What more can I do? Like,
1: (laughs) it just, it doesn't stay. So, and, and I, I laugh at this, like for raw nationals, um, especially on competition days, my adrenaline gets so high Mm -hmm. to where nothing stays on my body. Uh, we had late weigh-ins at nationals, um, for the prime time, Event. So we started at six and so my weigh-ins were at 4 p.m. I wake up at five o'clock every day. It doesn't matter if it's a weekend or what I'm up and I'm ready to go. So I, I, I understand. I from- understand that because you you emailed
0: me this morning. We're recording this early on a weekend <laughs> day, and I got an email at like six fifty nine this morning. Like, we still on for today? I'm like, y- yeah, yes, ma'am, yes, hundred percent. Yeah,
1: like I had just, I you know, at this point, I had already eaten breakfast. I had started the laundry. I'm like, okay, let me just go ahead and send this quick email. But I I am up and going. So I was up before breakfast that more that morning. I had like two protein bars. Then breakfast opened up and I had uh, breakfast at the hotel. I'm like, dang, I might as well go to the, uh, the venue to see if I can do like early equipment check. They're like, no. So I'm like, okay, well it is 10 o'clock in the morning and I have till four o'clock. So there was a target right across the street, like within the same parking lot. I went and got those, um, Uncrustable, like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches.
0: Oh, those are so good.
1: Oh, they're so good. So good that I ate a whole box of them. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was my lunch. And then I had like a bag of popcorn and like some other nonsense. And I still weighed in at 99 pounds. 99 pounds. That
0: this, was it. This is like... <laughs> This is so rare to hear this because most powerlifters, you talk about them before weigh-ins, they're miserable. They're like, "Oh, I'm eating slightly less than normal." And powerlifters, most powerlifters hate losing weight. Like most people hate cutting weight in this in this sport. At least in my experience, so the fact that you're just like housing uncrustables beforehand and still coming in under body weight, it's, it's a, it's a rare thing. So I, I wish you the best on, uh, yeah. that weight gain journey. Uh, if yeah. you want to move on,
1: I've seen some grumpy, grumpy people and I have learned just, you know, speak to them after and You don't got to say hello. Just look <laughs> at them. Don't even look at them sometimes. Like if you can eyeball like how they might be feeling, just, just wait. Just wait till they start eating a bag of chips or something because they are, they, they probably don't know how they're coming across if you say hello. So I just, I save it.
0: It's like one of those Snickers commercials. You're not being yourself right now. You're just, you're just, you're just not. <laughs> um, <laughs> Heather, what are some of the, you know, you, we've talked a lot about recovering from injury. We talked a little bit about uh, your fa- I was going to ask about your favorite. Uh, meat day snacks, but it's clearly Uncrustables and popcorn. Um, What what are some, as your powerlifting career progresses, some recovery techniques and and things that you've started to prioritize more?
1: Um, I definitely started doing uh, post-workout stretching. Um, I am a nightmare when it comes to stretching. I just won't do it. I will neglect it and I will be the first to tell you I should probably be way better at it. And I should utilize it a lot more. Um, but I have had to learn methods to keep myself not being like the mind of like a seagull when it comes to stretching. Like I have to do it. I can't get distracted from doing it. So I've turned on like my favorite like Netflix show and I do it at home to where I'm not at the gym socializing more than I am stretching. Um, so I've really prioritized that part. Uh, pre-workout and post-workout uh, stretching and mobility, taking those salt baths, really been doing that and making sure that right after these workouts, I'm having like a proper meal. That's not going to make me feel like poop before I go to bed. So,
0: Well, Heather, that's, that's kind of the, the end of the questions I had for you heading into this recording. Where is the best place for people, non trolls to keep up to date mm-hmm. with what you're doing online?
1: Um, non-trolls
0: Yeah, yeah. where where do you send the trolls where's the account where you send the trolls and where's the real account where you send the the fans
1: Um, I always send them to my Instagram account like that's where I'm most active all you know Heather.e.connor. Connor Um, but yeah I I just started a YouTube it's actually the same name as my Instagram so it's super easy to find I think (laughs) so I've started like I just have like one video so I'm not like cool or anything. Hopefully I can get better at that. You're,
0: you're, you're basically a professional YouTuber right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know why I'm not like rolling in the dough right now. Has anybody like seen my video? Jesus.
0: <laughs> my, is my video. Check out guys, <laughs> check out my, check out my video on YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's Make just- sure
1: you like, and subscribe. <laughs>
0: Well, Heather, it's been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time. I was going to say early on a Saturday morning, but when we're recording this, but it sounds like you've been up for six hours already. So uh, happy yeah. afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, and we'll, uh, we're, we're really excited to see um, all the stuff you have coming up, especially the Sheffield meet in uh, 2020 and all of your performances beyond that. Really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.